The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Big News Coming Soon podcast and this week I'm back again in North Mayo down in Ballina and for some reason this season has been hev- heavily influenced by Ballina but it's just that there's so many great people down this neck of the woods and I'm delighted to be joined this week by Councillor Mark Duffy. Mark, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Alan. Mark, we've been, I've been trying to, to get you on the podcast for a number of weeks now and you're somebody that really that I find fascinating and uh, we know each other a long time and I've always found you fascinating and the reason I find you so interesting is because I look at you as a young fella what age are you? 31 you're 31 I look at you as a young fella that could be anything in the world and I mean that with the the best intentions I think you're you're driven you're focused you're hard-working, you're really good-looking, <laughs> you bollocks. And I, just, I, just, I think you could be anything in the world. And then I say to myself, why is he a counsellor? That's how I look at you from outside looking right. in. I'm thinking, what are you doing with your life, being a counsellor down in Ballina? And I, I just find it fascinating, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. So let's go back to the very start. I came across you, I was running a nightclub in Castlebar. Mm-hmm. And then you come in as the new student <laughs> president, right? And I'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting because when you're the nightclub manager and the nightclubs were coming to an end and I could see the writing on the wall and, and nightclubs were struggling. It wasn't worth our while opening on a Saturday night, never mind a Thursday night. 
and I had dealt with maybe four student presidents before you and every student president in September comes down to the nightclub and they're going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to revive nightlife in Castle Bar. I remember walking into the office. We went upstairs. Yeah. We went upstairs into the office and uh, I remember walking in, meeting you and I was full <laughs> I was full of enthusiasm, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to, like you said, take on the world. Yeah. Obviously we met and you were less optimistic <laughs> than I was. Did you think um, I was an awful bollocks? Well, at the time I was like, oh geez, wanna, we have a point to prove here. I wanted to, I wanted to try and regain your faith in <laughs> yeah. the students' union or student um, nightlife. And, yeah, and I had that same conversation with three or four presidents before you and maybe the first one or two things were going well, but the writing was on the wall. Mm. The students didn't want to pay into nightclubs. It was we had to pay a license, we had to pay mm. security, we had to pay this, that, and the other. We had to give out free tickets, and it just wasn't worth our while putting nights on. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were different, though. You were different than any other student president because you were full of enthusiasm. You had full faith in that you were going to change nightlife <laughs> in Castle Bar on a Thursday night, and you were really disappointed by my response. <laughs> Whereas other student presidents. Didn't really care. Mm. They were like, right, sure, look, if you don't want us in Mantra, we'll go down to Cox's or we'll go to the Irish House or we'll go wherever. Yeah. But you you were like a dog with a bone now. And yeah. you said, no, I'm going to prove him wrong. Yeah. And I think we had some good nights there. There was we? some good nights. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you enjoyed uh, yourself a few nights anyway. That's, why wouldn't I? That's, uh, that's part of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Front and centre. No, but um, yeah. no, like it, that was obviously in the middle of a recession in, in Castle Bar in yeah. GMIT. It's now the Mayo Campus or now ATU. Yeah. Um, but... Obviously, there was so many mature students had gone back to college, so they weren't really going to be your kind of clientele on Thursday night uh, in in the nightclub. But um, and obviously there was like cuts to education, so we were obviously campaigning for that all the time. Yeah. But the most important thing of college life is the social and the friendships that you make. And uh, like I, yeah, I had left um, Saint Mordex College in Ballina and went did the business uh, degree in in GMIT yeah. and then the students union presidency but um i just love castlebar such a great great town and we yeah we had great nights there and yeah. I, it was worth fighting for it certainly was but like even from a business point of view we had to pay i think it was 600 euros uh, per night for the late license and you're talking if every student spent a fiver uh, mm. We would need 120 students, and mm. you know, at the time, we were doing well to get 100 people in the door. I know. So we hadn't even we couldn't even cover the license before yeah. we paid four or five security. Yeah. Then you had students sneaking in nagins and <laughs> bottles and cans, and no one buying anything. So it was so difficult. Yeah. It was so difficult at the time, and and we have never spoken about this. No. Like it, it, since that, we haven't spoken about it. And no. and it, you know, I knew that you thought I was a bollocks. <laughs> I knew that. And I had to be a bollocks for my boss. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't be losing money on a yeah. Thursday night. Yeah. But I've been following you closely since, and I really admire everything you've achieved. Thanks. And the night you introduced Joe Biden, uh, I felt really proud to know you. You were on the TV that night. We'll get to it in a few minutes, but you came out, you introduced Joe Biden. Joe Biden was here in Ballina. You didn't make one mistake. You had, you know, you had, you had great diction. You just absolutely nailed it. And I remember putting up a tweet saying something how I was proud of you or whatever it was. And I said, from student president to the mayor of Balna, and somebody commented like, yeah, sure, he's reading it off a teleprompter. So I messaged a friend of mine who's a journalist who was in the news pit. And I said, how are you? Was Mark Duffy reading it off a teleprompter? And she said, no. <laughs> but uh, You could have texted me. <laughs> yeah, I could have. I didn't want to be annoying you. And I was annoying you that week as well. We'll talk about that. But she said, but Joe Biden was, and Leo Varadkar was looking down at his notes for the whole time. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I just thought, wow. Mm-hmm. And if anyone goes back and watches that speech, it was very, very, very impressive. And I'm not blowing smoke up your arse, mm-hmm. but it, it, that'll be a very hard thing for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. Did you have to practice that or? I only found out the night before at about midnight and it was an insane three weeks. We didn't know. We, we heard that there was a US presidential visit coming to Ireland in April. We didn't know exactly when. Then about three weeks out, there was one guy who had visited town, was checking out different sites, and they were kind of flirting with the idea of maybe a speech in Balna, but again, we didn't have much detail. Then things began to slowly ramp up. Uh, more and more people arrived, and it became clear that he was going to make a speech, a public address in Balna. Uh, it was going to be outside St. Mordex Cathedral. Fast forward to the night before the, the, the speech, and we were busy getting the town ready. There was a lot of press and media work going on at the time. And uh, my brother had flown back from Dubai for it. Just he, for the speech? Uh, yeah, Peter came back. Yeah, because my, yeah, my brothers were setting up the coffee shop that week, Jimmy's. And, um, Free plug. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to... But yeah. anyway, that, it was... That's <laughs> Jimmy's part have not paid for the sponsor. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> so they've, um, they've set, they set up the coffee thing that week. So that was a big thing, big deal for a family anyway. Um, but now Peter didn't know that I was going to be speaking. I didn't know myself. But he knew it was going to be a historic night that the US president was going to be speaking in, in front of the cathedral in Balna. So Peter knew it was going to be... But they worth. jumped on the bandwagon. Like, they did very clever. They brought out the Joe Biden coffee cups yeah. and they painted Joe Biden on the side of the wall. And yeah. They really embraced, embraced it. Yeah. They turned the whole business into a Joe yeah. Biden coffee shop. Yeah. And they, they, and fair play to them. Yeah, they, 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 they love America as well and they're, they're always over and back visiting and they're friends there. So, And they're go-getters, you know. And that's what I love about this podcast is that you give a platform to all these young male people who are trying to and uh, and afar trying mm-hmm. to trying to get on because there's so many great stories like that but anyway um so peter came back and uh we were in harrison's in balna we'd uh, one pint well peter had more than one pint but anyway um and uh we were just kind of preparing for the night before i got a call i says where are you it was a guy from the white house where are you i says um i'm in town this is about midnight uh legless yeah can you well <laughs> and can you come down to the cathedral and I said, uh, yeah, no problem. So I ran down, because whatever. Everything was urgent during that two weeks. This was the night before? The night before. So right. it was so intense. This is a midnight the night before. So he says, okay, let's take a walk. <clears throat> so he says, um, uh, we want you to introduce the president tomorrow night. And I said, okay, no problem. And I didn't know if that was introducing to members of the church mm-hmm. or members of the community or to the whole stage. Yeah. And then he explained, obviously, it's to address the crowd leading into it um so that was my so i he he said can you put a proposal together so i came back to the house sitting here wrote out a bit a bit of a a bit of a spiel and then sent it on this that sounds great and uh come here now on the way back you're walking back to the house from mm-hmm. the cathedral yeah and it's a five minute walk mm-hmm. what's going on in your head yeah absolutely buzzing um yeah and no, i'm excited and it's just like uh it, it's crazy because i'm an independent uh, I've no no family history in politics. We all we care about the town and the country and the county, um, but there's no like his like party history. So the reason I'm saying that is that I just made a decision to go for politics. You're a self-made politician. Yeah, but it, and then it's and well, but by the people have made me. By I know what you mean, that. but like, but there is a yeah, lot of family tradition. No, exactly. But anyway, and then from that decision of self-doubt and you know all that kind of gut feeling of what am I doing to the night before a presidential speech and you're asked to speak is, uh, you know, a massive thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what am I thinking? I'm thinking 101 different things because there was a media interview with Sky News in the morning at like 7 a.m. This is about maybe half 12 at night now at this stage. I'm walking through town and the town was buzzing. 
around the cathedral was all closed off. There was volunteers still hanging up flags, for, yeah. uh, still painting buildings throughout town. It was just a hive of activity, p- people milling around the streets. It just felt like the town was never more alive than, than that night before and, and that week leading into it, and, and obviously that night itself. So I came back to the house, typed up a kind of a proposed spiel, and then there's one or two over and backs, and then this is, yeah, that sounds great. But whatever I was saying, I didn't speak for that long. I think it was like two or three minutes, but I had been over to Scranton earlier that year, uh, which is a twinned city with Ballina. It's in Pennsylvania. And it just struck me that like everything over there, we, we visited the railway tracks. We saw the coal mines where our people in Mayo went over there in the most bleakest hour of our history. And their freedom was arriving in the US and then going into the coal mines or working the railway tracks. And they are our people. Like, whether we have relations directly there or not, when you go over there, you meet so many people who are saying, oh, I've got friends, I've got relations in Castlebar, Westport. Do you know, the, it's really strong. And, and that, is, is that Joe stood Biden, out to me. Is Joe Biden from Scranton? Sorry, he, yeah, he grew up in Scranton okay. until the age of 11 and then moved to Delaware. And um, Ballina is twinned with Scranton. Yeah, and that's and by coincidence. That's not about the Joe Biden. I was going to ask, that was yeah. my next question. So it's a uh, so that happened before we knew there was a connection to Biden and Balna. Yeah, it was in 1990 when wow. Balna twinning with Scranton um, uh, happened. So there's a it's an authentic connection there. It wasn't yeah. engineered to try and fit a kind of narrative that suited. No, there's a strong connection there. That's why he visited twice before, and this was his third. So visit. why were you asked then to speak? What's your role, or how come? Uh, so at the time, I was mayor of Balna or Cahirlock for the municipal district, which is all the way out to Bally Castle, all the way around the Sligo border. And what does uh, what does a mayor do? What what's like you're the first citizen of the of the town and the and the area, the municipality. Um so you would be the kind of lead on you would chair the meetings, the all the council meetings, and you would lead the council on all issues d- domestically uh, in, in the Balna area and you'd be the spokesperson on behalf of the municipal district and you'd lead delegations like we did to Scranton to meet the people. But And is that elect an elected position? So we're all elected uh, as councillors, and then it's a um, it's a political agreement who has become mayor among the councillors. Does everyone get a whack at it? Not everyone. So it's a it's a political arrangement. I'm independent, so it's independent. Of Fianna Fáil are in power, and then Fine Gael are not in Balna, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the big smile on your face when you said that. Okay, it's interesting because I don't know very much about politics. Yeah, and and uh, it's comp- complex and complicated, and people sometimes just don't want to know. They yeah, just prefer not to know. I definitely think there should be more openness and transparency and like I would love that meetings are live streamed and yeah. people know because then people would see the good and the bad because I know that all my fellow councillors they do work hard for their people and their constituency in their community and a lot of it is not sometimes the most sexy or fun uh, stuff to be working on Okay, uh, but they do it because they know people care about those little local issues but then also you're expected to also be you know thinking broadly and strategically for town and the county yeah so there's a there's a different kind of layers to i want to i want to go back a few years but before that then just very quickly when you're given the speech mm-hmm. how many people are on the street there in Twenty seven thousand. the biggest outdoor event in mayo ever Pro- uh, yeah maybe yeah probably has to I, yeah. well i can't think of a yeah. bigger one um i'm told it was something like the biggest audience he's ever had yeah i think that's what larita said yeah um were you nervous going up on stage yeah so basically now, he- you're well used to public speaking. Yeah, well, I am. Now. It's, uh, anyway, the, the the Marine One helicopter is flying by. The chieftains are playing. It was like this 
I don't know, it was just a magical moment. If you don't know Ballina, so the the stage was like right on the river. Uh, The Marine One helicopter came right down over the river. It was like something out of a movie. It was biblical stuff. It was like CGI. Yeah. (laughs) And the helicopter lands then behind the college. Yeah. You're there on the stage waiting. So I'm, no, I'm I'm back at the Newman Institute, uh, which is just behind, next to the cathedral. And there was kind of a hold. But I obviously don't have any staff. I've no... No, I've no staff, no secretary, no, there's no mayoral support. So I'm there, I've my speech typed out from the night before. I just asked the lady behind the desk, would you mind printing off this sheet for me? <laughs> so I emailed it to her. And then she says, oh, you're speaking tonight. Because she obviously had a quick look <laughs> to see the, the notes. And you then, hadn't even printed off? N- no, I did, I did that afternoon. Okay. But it was, it, was, it was cold and I didn't want to be kind of standing out in the cold. Then you had um, Enda Kenny was there with his wife, back in this cold area. Then all the... The Taoiseach comes in, the, all the cabinet, you had Simon Coveney, Eamon Ryan, all different senior ministers, and, um, and Mary Robinson, former president, she's from Ballina as well. And uh, so I'm there kind of half making small talk and chatting away with all these guys and girls. Uh, and then in the back of my head, I'm like, they don't know, and no one really knows that I'm speaking. I didn't even tell my family, anyone. I didn't have time to tell anyone yeah. um, that I'm going to be speaking to introduce the president shortly. So I'm, there's obviously nervous anticipation. Then I'm kind of pacing up and down outside by the cathedral because I see that the chieftains have just finished playing, that the crowd who are standing behind the stage are lining up. And anyway, I get to the stop, top of the stage, two steps off. And I'm standing there, obviously, with the Taoiseach. He's ready to speak, and we're both backstage, and the people are walking by us. And then they, they call me up, and the, 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 the Water Boys, the Whole of the Moon song was playing. I'll wow. never forget it. And then that stopped. And then I'm two steps off the stage. I'm looking out to my left. All the bridge is lined, packed with people. I'm looking down and the whole Irish government cabinet and his family, his sister and son are there, the presidents. And, and all across the river at the Mayor Robinson Centre side, across the other side of the river, packed with people, flags everywhere. TV cameras, around. Yeah, lights. Mental. Yeah. And then... <laughs> and then uh, the, had, had you a rehearsal of walking out? No, no, that was so the you thing. didn't even know where you were going. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I hate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So it was all a bit. I I had a fair idea what I was going to say, and I had the notes in my breast pocket there, but I didn't obviously use them because it, it was just not going to be natural. So I went out, and uh, they said, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the mayor, Balna, Mark Duffy." So I walked out, and it was a great reception, it was a great crowd, and I suppose that just kind of kicked you into action. And then, but it was genius from their point of view, having one of their own introducing him because like if, if it just started with Leo Varadkar everyone in Mayo would be just like oh here we go again mm. and it was a genius stroke saying right mm. who are we going to get in Mayo a hometown kind yeah, of yeah we have to he, tap into he, that he always he always has been portrayed as that kind of hometown kid the Scranton grew up in Scranton lived in Delaware got the train to Capitol Hill every day mm. as a senator and stuff like that it, it probably was a good good idea but anyway I was just privileged to have been a part of that so obviously spoke Wait, was, were you nervous when you were speaking or did it come natural to you? No, I I said good evening, Balna. That was the first thing I said. And what's wrong with that? No, no, that was perfect. Um, but obviously I didn't know what the sound system was like, if there's going to be an echo, if people could hear me. Yeah. So I just knew that I'd have to actually speak slowly. I knew that there was big screens up in the middle of town, which mm. would have the, linked up the same sound system. So I knew I was going to actually have to speak slow, slowly if I actually wanted to communicate. As opposed, I could have just rambled off something and then ran off stage. But no one would hear it and it wouldn't have been that um, yeah. good. So anyway... Um, so I spoke slowly and then it kind of created a bit of a buzz. And You nailed but, it. You absolutely nailed it. Yeah, when it you was, came off stage, were you happy with yourself? Yeah, I was. I kind of ran off stage or was kind of speed walked off stage and then Leo Vragger was walking up the steps and he says, well done. 
it was all a bit of a haze. So I mm. got, found my way to, to the seat and then sat down. Tonight we are celebrating in Balana. We are celebrating our history, our heritage, our culture, and most importantly, our people. We're celebrating each and every person from County Mayo and afar that has come here tonight on this historic occasion. But we're also remembering tonight the people who are no longer with us, who are part of the fabric that have made us who we are, proud County Mayo people and proud Irish people. The Taoiseach, Leo Vradker, will speak next. After Taoiseach speaks, I hope that you give a rousing, powerful, Western, soulful, homecoming welcome to the 46th President of the United States of America, President Joe Biden. Have a great night. And as an independent, as a young fella that's 31 and as an independent, to have that opportunity and to go up there and nail it and smash it better than Leo Varadkar did, better than anyone else in the country could do, and I'm not blowing smoke up your arse, it's a fact. Did anyone approach afterwards from other parties and say, like, did you come on anyone else's radar and say, how are you doing? Jesus, you're a great British stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's a few kind of political parties of um, tyre kicking. <laughs> yeah, have they, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they'd be lucky to have you. Yeah. I, I, that, thanks. Um... Yeah, so I don't know what I'll I'll do in okay. Uh, I, uh, what my plans are in the future, but right. I would love to be in positions of influence. If let's I, let's come uh, right back to it, okay. Where did you go to school? Skullporic Primary yeah. School, right in the middle of the town. Then went to St Mordex College, and then GMIT, GMIT. in Castlebar. How many is in your family? I'm the second youngest of thirteen kids. So wow, yeah, nine boys, four girls. Okay, yeah. So uh, and that's the whole thing is like. It's this typical kind of west of Ireland. That's thir- that's thir- that's twelve votes straight. Yeah, away. exactly. <laughs> the only problem is that most of them have emigrated. Not most of them, but there's a brother in Australia, brother in Dubai, oh. and, and a brother in uh, Canada. I bet they come home to vote, though. In fairness, Joe came all the way back <laughs> from Perth in Australia to join the canvas on the last uh, on the last week. So that was a great buzz. You have an advantage <laughs> there with cousins and everything. Yeah. I'd say you're waiting for them to turn eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, um, were you involved in sports and everything in school? Yeah, so soccer and Gaelic, I was a goalkeeper, so I just played soccer and Gaelic. Uh, were you involved in everything? Were you one of these kids that was involved in everything? Yeah, yeah, but I was a messer. I was I was kind of more into, into sports and just having the crack. And when you were in secondary school, what did you want to do? Everyone you saw said, oh, you should be a politician, you should be a politician. Why? Where did that, why, why I, were they I, I don't that know. to you? I don't know, it's... I suppose I'd, I'd always be first to volunteer for things. I'd always have the hand up. I'd, I'd go off umpiring for games with whatever school. That was just to get out of class and have a crack, you know. <laughs> um, and I, no, but I would also be involved in, say, fundraising for whatever it was, Trocra or Concern or whatever the different fundraisers were. I, I just enjoyed that. And even my, my brothers used to have to raise a certain amount of money like everyone did for a trip or for Trocra and stuff. That's, they'd always bring me off to come knocking on the door <laughs> to ask for, you know, will you sponsor me for whatever it was. So yeah. I always kind of was well uh, used to meeting people. But you have a very friendly face. <laughs> so I'd say people threw money at you yeah, when you were maybe. knocking on doors. I remember I remember once I kind of knocked on a door when we were um, fundraising for something. And I was like, I went timid. I was like, hello, will you, will you sponsor me <laughs> for this? And then he goes, no. I said, oh, okay. And I kind of shriveled up and kind of just walked off slowly. And then <laughs> and he goes, uh, uh, actually, no, no, come here, come back, and I'll, <laughs> I'll sponsor. Yeah, so, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a sales, a sales, uh, sales pitch. But so, uh, do you do that when you're asking for votes now? 
No, no. But you vote for me. And then shrivel up. Oh, sorry. You would have hurt it. Right, so you were you did well in school. Well, in terms of your... I had a great your friend, childhood. Yeah, you had a good childhood. And then, did you do debating in school? No, actually. I used to... We used to I, again, I used to go and support the debating team and But watch you weren't them. involved in it? No, no, no. That's fascinating. Yeah. And then how did it come about? What was the first, what was your first? It was, it was students, like it was in GMIT in the Mayo campus in Castlebar. What were you doing in GMIT? Business, business degree. Did a business degree. And then I saw the students union presidency uh, position. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I, I could give that a go. I'm playing soccer in Gaelic in the thing. I'm well, I thought I was well known, but I actually wasn't until I went forward for the campaign but I said would I like to do it do I think I'd be good at it and would I regret it if I didn't do it that was the three questions that I asked myself when I went for the students union presidency job and that has stuck with me ever since what age were you roughly um was it 21 or something or 22? Right about that yeah and, and uh, you had to put a campaign together the yeah. same as a political campaign campaign together posters so and posters lines I got all the girls in the class made buns and we basically said if you if you wore a Mark Duffy sticker you got a free bun so all they were so brilliant. All everyone got everyone got behind it. Was so. there a great crack? There was a good buzz. Now I was smoking at the time, and I remember like I was the first up with the posters, and went out for a smoke outside the front of the you know the reception in Castle Bar at the thing. Went out for a smoke, and I just put up a poster out in the smoking area as well in the hut, and uh, I remember someone chatting to someone else, and they were kind of saying, "Who is this?" Fella or this Egypt, whatever it was. Well, it wasn't supportive, whatever they were saying, or what's he at, or they were talking to, to you about it. No, I was just having a smoke, and I could hear them talking about oh. me or whoever this smiley head of fella was yeah. on the poster. Yeah, and it was obviously me, and I was like, oh geez, that's and that's the thing that you need to get used to, whether it's politics or putting yourself out there. No matter you, no matter who you are, what you do, people are going to have a go. Yeah, and uh, you're here in college trying to make a difference, trying yeah. to make changes, yeah. put, putting yourself out there, trying to improve student life, trying to campaign for. And, and you overhear a student saying, "Who's this dope?" Yeah, just because you have a smiley head and you're on a picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, judging a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. don't strike me as a smoker. No, and then everyone, everyone used to say that, and I say, "Well," and they say, "Yeah, and you play sports and all that," and I said, "I know, but it'd be worse if I." Uh, didn't play sports and smoked. And that's no way to justify it, but I've thankfully quit, so I haven't smoked for about seven or eight years. Oh, very good. But uh, yeah, I just got into it as a young friend. So what was your, what was the highlight of your career as a student president? The USI, Union of Students in Ireland, have, so we were campaigning, and this was in the middle of the recession, and it was, it was bleak times. Everyone's grants were cut by significant amount of money. And we went to Sligo, and because... Castle Bar is in the constituency of Endicenny. Endicenny was Taoiseach of the day. So we got to meet with him and and fight for no cuts to third level education. And thankfully there wasn't. And that was on behalf of maybe 250,000 students at the time. You had a one-to-one meeting with Endicenny? Yeah, yeah. And there was another, Kevin from the USI, Kevin uh, Donahue as well. And the two of us met with him in, uh, in Sligo IT. Uh, it, was, it was part of a visit there. Was um, this a private meeting, like in a room somewhere? Or well, was there just was, in a he hall? had some, it was a kind of in a corridor hallway, but it was a set up meeting. Right. And, uh, and there was all aides around, uh, his political aides. And, uh, and I was just kind of saying, well, I was just using my own example. I says, I have a family of 13. It's so my brother just after leaving for uh, Australia. So my sister is teaching in Scotland. I have another brother over in, in Canada. So we are hemorrhaging people. There are people leaving. And that's, that was the reality of my story. So it was just speaking from, where, where the story that I knew and anyway I'm sure there was 101 reasons but that was part of the campaign uh, and you were ahead of your time because it's got 10 times worse since yeah 
yeah yeah and, so, and that's so what was the outcome of the meeting there was no cuts to third level education that year so that was a, a win and was that down to you I, I i wouldn't say it was strictly down to me but it was down to the whole campaign that yeah. kind of and we had protests and sligo and we brought up three or four bus loads from castle bar to join those protests as well to fight for no cuts to third level education so how did you find enda kenny when you were talking to him Oh, he's very nice and personable. Like Because so. I, I have no political agenda. I don't follow politics. I'll be honest with you. I think the country's in an absolute heap at the minute. And I think there's there's a huge mental health problem. And I think yeah. I think we're all struggling. Yeah. But I've met Enda Kenny a few times. And I've had interactions with him when I was in Midwest and different radio stations. And I've had to record him a few times. And I found him to be an absolute gentleman. Mm-hmm. And very charismatic and yeah. personable and good crack. Yeah. So I don't know what he was like in office or yeah. was he any good or was he bad and people would say this, oh, that yeah. and the other. But as a person, I can only take him as I find him. Yeah. He had any amount of time for me at the time we were recording something. And another thing that impressed me about him, I had to go to his office one day and record an ad for the hospice mm-hmm. for Midwest Radio. And I walked in, I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, hello, come in, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the ad learned off. He didn't need Unreal. to look at a piece of paper. Unreal. And I put a microphone in front of his face. Hello, Andy Kenny here. Uh, support the hospice, blah, blah, blah. Sounds like you. And he'd done it two or three times. And he goes, was that okay? And I said, that was fine. Actually, we'll do it again. We'll do one more time. I'll give yeah. you one more take. Yeah. And he couldn't have enough brilliant. time for me. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, whether it was for me or for the hospice, I don't know. But I find him, I found him. Very down to earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not above or below anyone. And But geez, he gets a hard time. And he did get a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's my point. And that's why I'm back here talking to you today about... Like, is there ever a point where you say to yourself, oh, geez, I wish I just had a nine to five and went home in the evening and got paid and nobody knew who I was? Yeah, definitely. That 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 is something that goes through the head at times. But it, e- equally, the reason I went for politics, I was sitting in an office in Dublin working for, I was working in marketing for a financial company. That wasn't the best version of me. I knew that when I was student's union president, I was way more, uh, a better version of myself, way more enthused about my job I get up in the morning it was the first thing I thought about and when I went to bed at night it was the last thing I, I thought about as well what year did you run for election 2019 2019 so it's a f- yeah and uh, so I announced on like a Sunday night in January when no one was thinking about elections and I was kind of frustrated because so you're 27 I was, yeah yeah wow yeah. and uh, but I was kind of frustrated that there was no new faces going for politics and, and everyone was saying oh we need new faces and new people and I was like okay well and I was looking around and I said, who's going to be this person that's going to step up? And I, was, I kept kind of anticipating that someone would. And I was like, why don't I actually go for it? And just, so I asked myself those three questions. Would I like to do it? Do I think I'd be good at it? Would I regret it if I didn't go for it? When I say would I regret it, if I didn't, if, if I didn't get elected, then I wouldn't have failed because I would have tried, you know? So I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. If it works, happy days. If it doesn't, I won't have failed, even if I don't get elected because... I'll have scratched that itch and I'll move on to something and else. when you... How did the campaign go? Like, what was, what was the reaction on the doorsteps? Well, it was really positive. And obviously, it's, it, it, would be, it would be easier your first time running because you don't have a legacy or history. You, you, you're, you're a blank canvas. You're knocking on the door saying, how oh, yeah, I'm a young fella. I'm going to give, give it a go. Trying to give it a go. Exactly. And, and, people, and people responded well. And I couldn't believe, like, within the first week, I think in the first three days, I had a thousand followers on the, on the Facebook page. And I was like, wow, this is actually more than I'd ever expected. So there was, there seemed to tap into um, 
But Ballina is a very supportive town. Yeah. Isn't it? Like yeah, if no, you no, set up is. a Facebook page here to bring flowers into <laughs> the town, there'd be a thousand followers yeah. on it tomorrow. Wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, We're yeah, trying no. to raise a few pounds to get a few flowers for the roundabout down there at yeah. Dunn's. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to get that in Castlebar, unfortunately. Ah, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. I, there is well, there actually, is goodwill in every town, but in Ballina, it's it's hyped up. It's it's yeah, more. Charged. I, I find Ballina a really supercharged town. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's tidy towns in Casper doing fantastic yeah, work, yeah. and and Westport and, exactly. and other towns, but there is a cohort of absolute Ballina lunatics. Yeah, isn't there? Oh no, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like part of the election campaign, I, I have the leaflet upstairs, but uh, p- part of the campaign was basically. It's not what I can do, but it's what we can all do together. And that sounds maybe a bit... Was that um, your tagline? It was my tagline, but it was along those lines. It was basically, if we all empower ourselves to do an hour a week, or even an hour a year, it's more than what we're doing currently. So if everyone does a little bit, hmm. then it, 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 that overtakes any political capability of anyone, yeah. one individual, if we're all at it and all getting involved and all supporting. And I, and I think that that's really... Um, ramped up in the last few years where like businesses are getting behind and supporting different initiatives community and volunteers are uh, on the streets most evenings and uh, yeah trying to you know regenerate the town because the town has so much potential it has all the raw ingredients of a town that you can't buy like the moy the location to the atlantic ocean the mountains and rivers and lakes and forests all around um so you can't buy that stuff and that they're the kind of raw ingredients. Is it fair to say that Ballina had a uh, kind of a strange reputation when I was growing up, say like in my teens, like mm-hmm. it wasn't regarded as a kind of a tourist town? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And now it's very much so a beautiful town to come to. It's very uh, tourist orient- orientated there. There's an awful lot going on. <clears throat> definitely. So. It, we didn't have, it, I suppose, we didn't have so many tourist attractions that we have now, first of yeah. all, between the Jackie Clark collection exactly. and all these other fantastic yeah. amenities. And yeah, the distillery and different things like that. Yeah. But the, so Balna is, uh, it still has, you know, high deprivation rates, still hasn't huge governmental support, I would argue. But civically, in terms of uh, antisocial behaviour, nothing. There's no, there's very few issues. Now, I'm not saying nothing, of course. There are, uh, every town, every city has issues. But, the people here are brilliant and uh, like we have some of the highest deprivation rates in some of our states that you would have in inner city Dublin but you, we don't have the sa- anywhere near the same rates of crime. We've, we actually got awarded a purple flag for it being such a, a, a peaceful place. Brilliant. And I, I, I love that and historically we would have had definitely more antisocial uh, issues and that's a generational thing then because some people uh, will remember Balana as a town that maybe had issues in the past Whereas it's a different town now. You can't keep getting hung up on a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it is a fight to try and change that reputation and then step forward into a better future for the town. This probably the isn't, isn't fair, but like when I was younger, 14, 15, 16, going to teenage discos, when the Ballina boys came over, you'd be kind of intimidated by them. And that was my opinion of mm. Ballina. Like my opinion yeah. was, was set then because of bu- a busload of lads came over. And they <laughs> I know, were, I know. Do you know? And know. it's not right. Isn't, it wasn't fair, but I, I all automatically assumed. Naturally though, that, that's naturally. And even the, and the, I'm the, sure. tune, the tune bus had come up then exactly. after. And so it's fair, like if the Castle Bar bus landed in Ballina, exactly. it would be the other way around. Exactly. The exactly. Castle Bar pops are here in yeah, Ballina. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, were you elected then on the first count? Yeah. Yeah. Landslide. I was, it was, yeah, it was, um, it was overwhelming, really. It was massive support. Okay. And we worked hard with a good team, canvassed, knocked on as many doors as we could. 
and kind of busy on social media. But we didn't use campaign posters, so it wasn't a conventional campaign. And, and we had a low budget. We just did a bit of a fundraising online, like you're saying, and people donated and got behind it. But that's what I'd love to see if more people were interested in getting involved in local politics. That's how things yeah. can change across the country. So what does a councillor do then? What do you do um, in general? Even speaking to TDs or ministers, I spoke to a minister recently and Simon Harris, and he said that as a county councillor, it was hard. Besides being minister for health, county councillor was his most difficult position. It's The reason I say that is, first of all, you're under-resourced, so you're paid a kind of a part-time-ish salary. Um, you have no staff, no administrative staff, no support staff. So everything you see on, say, social media, in terms of everything you're putting out, that's all you. There's you're paid no, a part-time wage? It's it, Well, it's it's now... The, the pay of a councillor has now improved. So it was a part-time initially. It's now improved. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's the lowest... The lowest <laughs> you're, you're sounding like RTE here now. <laughs> uh, you're like the well, fin- it's, all, it's all public information. It's the all financial you're, controller you're, of RT didn't know how much he was getting paid last week. <laughs> your, your salary is put up on the local paper every Roughly, year. Roughly. Give it's us about 27000 Right. And um, the... Uh, and do you have a job then? Do you have a day job? Not, no. Not at the moment. No. No. Did you have one? Uh, yeah. I, I, I quit my job uh, where I was working in Dublin. And I was earning much more to relocate back to Ballinana. I've never actually communicated that to take on the job full time as a counsellor because it's all consuming and because it's such an intense. And you're not going to be, this sounds noble, but whatever, but you're not going to be remembered for something you do in Dublin working for um, someone else. When you're there as a, as, as a public representative, you're going to be judged on what you did. So, so you're living now on around 30 grand a year? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Why in the name of God would you do that job? Um, I, I, I love it. Every morning it's the first thing I'm thinking about. Late at night, you might wake up in the middle of the night, you have an idea, write it down. and. But with no disrespect to people who work in supermarkets, cause I've, done, I've, I've worked in a supermarket myself, you would get more. Yeah, you'd get more. And you'd go home in the evening, you'd have your wages, you'd have no one knocking on your door, you'd have no online hassle. Yeah. You'd have an easier life. Yeah. You'd have no stress. Mm-hmm. I can't understand why you would do that gig for that money. Um, I know you're saying, "Oh, yeah, make change and get these ideas yeah, no. and everything," but like, there has to be times where you say, "Like, is this worth it?" Oh no, there, there definitely. Or is there a, is there a greater picture? Like, what's next? Is it a stepping stone? Well, I could have gone for the national elections right after I got elected. I got a good vote, and uh, people are saying, "Okay, he's going to go for the doll," and that was speculated online. Uh, in local media um, but I decided not to because I kind of said that I was going to do this term as a councillor and it's such a complex system the whole local government that you need to kind of get into the nitty gritty and have experience in it to understand it before you go for anything else whether it's a senate or um, a TD or MEP whatever that is um, so and the next election that's coming up is the local election so um, when is that? Uh, June 2024 um so yeah i'll uh, i'll probably go for re-election re- i'd say um but i don't know i don't know what i'll do um but anyway m- motivation like i said it's 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 a it's a labor of love and i do love it and uh, i get, get get great joy out of uh seeing um positive change happen in the community and, and the and the county and to be fair uh if i was work if i stayed in dublin it would have been another one of those stories in Dublin, where it's Mayo in Dublin, and uh, and I wouldn't have had the chance to introduce the US president. 
mm-hmm. in your hometown, which is just... You're very sociable anyway, and you've always been very sociable, and you've been involved in everything, and you obviously like going out and having the crack and meeting people, but do you find it difficult now on a Saturday night? You might be in a pub with, the, with your girlfriend. You're not married. Not married, You no. have a girlfriend. Yeah. Do you find it difficult where you might be in the pub on a Saturday night and you have somebody over giving you a bit of shtick? Yeah, sometimes, um, because you kind of are public property in ways because the people have put you there. Um, so sometimes it can be intense. And and sometimes people might have a go about something that has nothing got to do with you or you've no responsibility of, but they want to vent. And yeah, and then you just you agree with them because uh, you'd say, well, yeah, I, I, under, I understand that and I know I know why you're angry, but... Yeah, we were talking about this before we started the recording today. Like, you, you were getting a bit of heat lately for being supportive of the refugees coming in. Yeah, well, uh, even that was kind of misconstrued a bit. Obviously, I'm a county councillor. I have no hand in who's coming in and out of the county. Obviously, we don't have a toll bridge or anything like that. Uh, you have no entering. control over who's coming in. And of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a governmental st- strategy as part of Ireland being involved in Europe and, and different EU agreements on... But your, um, stance, your stance was very much, right, they're here now. They came in last night. Yeah. I have to deal with them and I'm going to go and meet them and see what I can do. Yeah, I get to deal with them because there's some brilliant people. And uh, yeah, I've got hassle online, but my, my take on it, whoever is coming into this Balinar, Mayo, wherever it is, then, well, you see it all the time. Locally, with our volunteer groups, maybe 50% of them are, are Ukrainian refugees who have relocated during the war. Um, and I've seen it in uh, with Mayo Day or in Castle Bar. A lot of the va- volunteers are... You know international protection and so they want to give back want to get involved so my take on it is is that if they're here which we don't have a, a say on whether they come or not there's not nothing that comes across i think that's what people don't desk. understand yeah. people think yeah. you brought them here yeah exactly and, um, and that's a misunderstanding and if they if they ask that question well then i i tell them well, no I've, i don't have a hand in this but when when they are here then I want to help them get jobs. I want to help them get involved in the community. If they maybe they're a great artist, a great musician, they might have something to contribute or offer. They might have a great business idea, and uh, that can that can add to the fabric of of our county. It's interesting you say that because I had an idea once when I was working in Ballyhonnis. There was the um, what do you call that? Uh, anyway, I had a great idea in Ballyhonnis at the time. The refugees were staying in in a building, and it was up on a hill in Ballyhonnis. If you if you've ever been yeah. down there, yeah. And it was like almost this forbidden territory. Like you don't go in there, you don't talk about it, you yeah. don't you don't go near it. Mm-hmm. It's fair. And I had a marketing campaign to put an image of professions on the side of the building. Mm. A doctor, mm. a lawyer, a bus driver, yeah. a painter, mm-hmm. a tailor. And there was all these qualified people in there. Very good. People that wanted to work. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in there longer than five years, yeah. you can't get a job. What, what, there's, a, there's a term for that as well. You were D... Direct provision, is it? Indirect, that's it. The direct yeah. provision center. Yeah. They, had, they had some term mm. for it anyway because I was yeah. talking to one of the ladies who was in there. And it's this, it's this struggle. You have five years to get out. You have five yeah. years to get a job. And if you don't, that's it. You're forgotten about. You're left in there forever. Yeah. And people didn't see... People saw this direct provision center up on the hill. And that's full of people that we don't know about. It's, it's human nature that you kind of... A lot of people, we all kind of default to fear as opposed to actually saying, like there's been people relocated to Mayo uh, in the last year or two. And if there was an opportunity where we could meet them, meet with them, talk with them, yeah, uh, know who they are, understand them, learn about them, and then help them to... But you know what the problem is, and it's not fair talking to you about this because you said you have no control over it, but the big problem here, Mark, is that we all woke up on Tuesday morning and there was 800 people from nine different countries in our town 
and we're all going, huh, where did they come from? Mm. And we're struggling to see doctors, we're struggling to get into the A&E, we're struggling to do X, Y and Z. And suddenly now there's a thousand people in, in, in the town on top of us and they're in the same queues we're in. Mm-hmm. And we're saying to ourselves, hang on now a second, where did these people come from? Mm-hmm. And they're getting dole money and they're getting accommodation and we're saying, right, well, we've 12,000 homeless at the minute. Mm -hmm. And the big problem is the communication. I don't think anyone in Ireland is racist Mm -hmm. and I don't think anyone wants to be racist. And I think it's just kind of a hang on now a second. Why didn't why didn't you talk to us about it? Yeah. And I think if it was if it was handled a little bit better and people and it was open and transparent, people Mm -hmm. wouldn't have their backs up. Yeah. I um no I agree communication is is has often been disastrous and um but has has it been disastrous to you too are you do you find out the same time we find out yeah pretty much well I know that um there's proposals for refugees to be relocated into Ballina at 200 and I found out walking into a council meeting by a member of the public who said that did you hear this is being proposed and I said no but I'll find out and I'll ask one of the members of the county council and then he confirmed it with me now, we since brought up at a council meeting and he apologised for not communicating this to us. Um, but that's, it's, it's underhand if we're finding out, as a public representative, we're finding out from a member of the public about a kind of uh, some, something like that. Um, but then people are holding you responsible and that's not, you know. Yeah, that, and, that, and that's a lack of understanding. And, but you, I understand that they don't understand that, and that's that's okay. Mm. But if it, it, it's when it's conflated, um, that's when it becomes, you know, not so nice. But yeah, like in relation to uh, the Castle Bar and that kind of overnight, there's a a whole new kind of introduction of of people. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's helpful when it's done kind of without any communication. Um, and, and, and people ask for consultation, and that's that's one that the minute you ask any town or village in the country, while I agree 99% of Irish people are not racist, there'll always be a people who will agitate against it, even though like we have waiting lists and we have um, under-resourced schools and we have a housing issue. They're not competing with the housing issue, first of all. On the educational side of things uh, and the hospital side of things, we're, we're understaffed and they potentially can provide that. Come here, I, I know, this is a tricky one. You know, you say that they're not competing with the housing issue, right? But let's take... Uh, Castlebar, for instance, we can put seven hundred into into one premises in Castlebar. Yeah, but how come we could never put seven hundred Irish people into the same premises? It's yeah. because we didn't have the same financial support coming from Europe. Is that why? Yeah, I I, I believe so. Yeah, I think but, it's a European support. But, but we also, found it's, it's a lack of uh, uh, that frustrates me because well, why didn't we turn that place into a place and horse seven hundred Irish people into it from all around the country? Yeah, and turn it into a huge center for and take the 700 out of the 12,000 that were reported yesterday. Mm-hmm. How come that didn't happen? I think that's the question on people's minds. And I'm, it's not fair me asking you that, but I'm yeah, just getting yeah. your perspective on it as a public representative. Why didn't we do that? <clears throat> what, what frustrates me is that we obviously have a housing crisis, and you mentioned mental health in terms of... Uh, I think that that is a fundamental element of the whole housing, housing cri- or mental health issue is, is, is housing, provision of housing. We're hemorrhaging, as you know, young people who are going for better quality of life with no headaches in, and a better lifestyle in Dubai or in Australia. But anyway... Um, I'm not forgetting the ones that are committing suicide. Exactly. There's, no, there's no one talking exactly. about them. And, yeah. and they're every day of the week in Ireland. Yeah. And every, every day I get messages and it's overwhelming because, like I said, we've no other support other than just 
our, our own thing. Messages on, on Facebook, calls and texts about housing. And like these are difficult domestic situations. People who uh, have been abused. Obviously, we're talking about domestic mm-hmm. um, residents um, from from who have grown up in Ballina or Castlebar, wherever they are. Uh, the stories you hear on a daily basis, and and then on the backdrop of that, then you see sometimes there's planning permissions for uh, development turned down, and what that that really enrages me because we have a crisis in terms of housing. And that's the housing side of things. But then on the planning side of things, not having an expedited system for great developments and positive developments, but then having expedited processes for international protection, that's not fair. From an, and, that's, and that creates that division mm. amongst people. And, and that's, not, that's not good. I'm just so disillusioned with Ireland at the minute. I'm disillusioned with politics and our yeah. government. And I'm a 38-year-old single lad who is struggling at the moment. I'm not going to lie. I put up a thing last night saying that um, I was offered a ticket for Dublin and I turned it down because I have to sort out my house. And somebody sent me a message saying, well, Alan, why don't you get a cleaner? I said, I have to cut the dogs here, clean my house. And what was the other thing I had to do? I had to do something else. And I got a message saying, Alan, sure, hire a cleaner, uh, send the dog to the groomers and do something else. <laughs> and I... Re- How do the other half live? I replied, I don't have that money. I don't have that the luxury to to hire a cleaner. Now, if I'm being realistic, right, I could cut back maybe a couple of coffees a week, but I don't have the 50 euro this week to get the dog cut and I don't have the 100 euro that it would cost me to go to Dublin today. I don't yeah. have it this week. Yeah. And so many people are in that situation in Ireland at the minute and mental health, I think COVID has a huge part to play in men, the mental health. Our mental health has gone wrong in this country mm-hmm. since COVID. And there was thousands pumped into vaccines and advertising vaccines and whether you're for it or against it that's fine that's completely mm-hmm. up to you where's the hundreds of thousands now being pumped into our mental health that mm-hmm. everyone has gone off their head from being locked up and being cooped up yeah. and for there's a huge pandemic yeah. there now that no one's talking about i was in the states recently and uh with my brothers and uh we were sitting around a table and we we're talking to a few people and they're saying well my therapist was saying this and they said no well, my therapist was saying actually the op- opposite and they all have a therapist, and that's perfectly natural. Whereas, I don't know, is it an Irish thing as much, or, or what exactly it is? Mm. But first of all, the, the sports aren't there, like you're saying, so it's very difficult to have a therapist. But there's a culture, for example, in the US, where mm. we all have our mental health issues, we all have problems, and they have a little bit of support. Yeah. But I think it stems back, again, it, goes, it does go back to political responsibility in terms of the political power within the country. That sets the standard in terms of what's happening in Ireland and what's happening to change it. And my take on, on the mental health crisis that there is, is that because we don't have elected representatives, I'm called young, I'm 31 as a politician, and I'm the youngest in, in Mayo, youngest politician in Mayo. But I'm still, we, we could have 18-year-old county councillors and 24, 5-year-old TDs. There's nothing stopping that if we have people go forward for it and if we actually support them as opposed to then having a go at them because they're going forward for it. Mm. And then we can start to create a society that delivers for them. Whereas at the moment, our young people leave. So then there's that whole void in terms of uh, young people. And then you have an older population that then keep re-electing the people that were always there. Yeah. So they're creating a state and a country because that meets, my, my, meets for them. Because my dad's a Fianna Fáil man or my dad's a Fianna Gael man. Yeah, I'm but they, 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 keep, they keep electing the same people that they've grown up electing. Mm. And because the young people aren't coming through because they're leaving, then you keep electing the same people. And then... So they're, they're creating a system in a state that suits 
their demographic as opposed to younger people where the older generation are set up with housing and yeah. they're set up well compared to younger people, definitely. Um, but what annoys me is we, we put so much money into roads, for example, yeah. as opposed to, it's honestly, this is the thing it's that depressing. annoys me. It, it really, like in our council meetings as well, it's tar, tar, tar. And it's like, okay, it is important that we have nice roads, mm. but it's also important that we have really good outdoor gym space, uh, skateboard parks, all-weather indoor football pitches. We should be looking at a population base across the whole island, like Iceland did, and, and they did it so well in the World Cup in soccer, where they had all these indoor domes. So Ballyhonas is obviously a great example, and that's just for the GAA yeah. primarily, which is a brilliant success story. But the GAA, or soccer, as I grew up playing, or rugby, or basketball, they're kind of mainstream and fairly well accommodated for. But there's all these other sports that could be so much well-supported. And then you have different... You have different options. But I just think that lifestyle improvements across every town and village and city, like I'm saying, outdoor play areas, and yeah. that's where the money can be spent. It's re- that's a good point, because we built this road now from Turla to Westport lately, and I, how much does it cost? 250 million? Maybe 300, I think. Was it? Yeah. And the week before I was on Ireland AM talking about the ambulance problem at the moment, and my mum called, an, I had to call an ambulance yeah. for my mum. The ambulance was an hour and a half coming, and then she was an hour and a half in the ambulance at the back door of the hospital. So I went on to Ireland AM to talk about it. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, I know that if my mum was on death's door and she was critically ill, she would have got in a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And I understand that there's a, that patients are treated on the level of the severity of their illness. I understand. But I'm here calling an ambulance for a 70-year-old woman who has had a very bad fall, doesn't know where she is, her eye is hanging out of her head, the ambulance takes an hour and a half to come, she's lying on the ground, screaming with agony for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that is the longest hour and a half mm. of your life. Your dad is standing on the road in the hope that the ambulance won't pass because you're in a rural area. And it was just a very, very, very long time. It felt like five hours. 100%. Yeah. The ambulance came, picked her up, brought her into a and then when she got to a she's in the back of the ambulance for another hour and a half. And... You know, she's very uncomfortable, doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be going into hospital. So the, the thought of going to hospital is already traumatizing Fear, yeah. without having to sit in the back of the ambulance. And then we open this road that costs 300 million. And these lads that come down from Dublin to cut the ribbon and all pat each other on the back and get their photos taken, go in, have a look at Mayo General. There's no one on trolleys that day. There's no one on trolleys. There was 27 people on trolleys the night she was in there a week ago. And they just walk in on Wednesday and the whole place is spick and span. And the reason I know that is because a nurse messaged me to say, Alan, just to let you know, the ministers are coming in today and we're told to clean the place up. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? So wrong. It's so wrong. But like, if you think about it, right, uh, and, and the road, because I, I hate to go against anything that's it's already done and it's supportive, right? I so, put, but no, but, but, but let b- me... B- before you say that, I put the road up on my Instagram page and I said it's mighty. Yeah. It, it's a savage road. Okay, but if I, if I had that 300 million, or, or, or not even if I had... Okay, go, go to the, say, the travel time of the few minutes that it increases connectivity between... And increases safety, people who lost their lives on the road between Castlebar and Westport. Okay. Just using this objectively. Yeah. Um, so multiply those like minute or whatever it is a day for certain people, right? However, you said that waiting for your ambulance for your mother mm-hmm. felt like five hours, probably felt like 10 hours. Would you forego the one minute travel time every couple of Absolutely. You know, days? Of course you would. Yeah. Of course you would. So where is the value in... So it's even like I'm talking about even sporting infrastructure. In the west of Ireland, it rains 
now it's not as bad the last few months, but it rains so much more than the East Coast. So having infrastructure, sporting infrastructure, all-weather pitches to meet that need. So you don't have games called off in the middle of winter when it is depressing and dark yeah. in the west of Ireland. So you have our indoor facilities, so it's ambient and bright and airy and spacious. So if it takes you two extra minutes a day to drive to that, happy days. Because you're in a brilliant environment then. Or you have a brilliant health system in, in the case of your uh, mother's example. Mm-hmm. And can we do it? Of course we can. How? We'll have a look at a private hospital in the country. Private hospital? Yeah. No issues, no problem. So it's not that it can't be solved. It definitely can be solved. And I think even technology, a lot of the systems are archaic and there's layers of middle management. But if you have actually proper technology systems in terms of waiting, you don't have to centralize everything in one regional hospital. It can be, a lot of issues can be solved by empowering other smaller satellite towns with medical practice. When we were on Ireland AM that morning, uh, we were supposed to be filming somewhere else and they were told that that couldn't happen and there was supposed to be two doctors coming on to talk about it. And the two doctors were told uh, they couldn't come. So effectively, we were there talking about this crisis and there was no one there to challenge it because they were all invited and no one showed up. But in the case of my mum when I was in the corridor, and we'll move on now after this, a doctor turned to a lady and he said, we need to get a few people out. We need to get some of these people out of here. And the lady replied, I'm not a nurse. Mm. So I don't even know who she was. Mm. Or the fact that he didn't even know who he was talking yeah. to. Yeah. You're saying, what the hell's going on? Well, it annoys me as well. I've had an instance in the, in the past where we pick up the phone and call West Dock, and that's the out of hours. And they call the first, and you have an emergency situation. And the person says, what's your card details? What's the person's age or what's their thing? And the guy could be passed out on the street and you might know any of this. They're looking for your financial information first. Really? Yeah, I've had instances of that with West. I didn't know that. And, uh, okay, and and I'm saying, there's someone here in an urgent critical situation needs to be seen to mm. ASAP. And they're talking about little formal bureaucratic things. Yeah. And that's... Yeah, it should be get them in, get them seen to, and then worry me. about that afterwards. Yeah. Let's move on now slightly. So I love, I'm in somewhat in the public eye. So I've nearly, I don't know, 200,000 followers on social media. Yeah. And I've spoken about this over the last few weeks that it's difficult. People think you're living your best life. Look yeah. at your man there. He was at the races and he was at that event and he was at this event. Yeah. And then you're saying to yourself, I don't have the 40 euro to get the yeah. dog's haircut. Yeah. There was a bit of an online storm with you lately. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about it? Yeah, of course. So I, I received a video on my WhatsApp about a hostel here in Ballina. Yeah. And you're being doorstepped by someone. Yeah. And they're saying to you, are you financially benefiting from this hostel yeah. in Ballina? And I don't know, what do you reply at the time you say I'm a director? Is that it? Yeah, well, it's not even open. It just opened this weekend. It opened this weekend. But at the yeah. time, you're, you were caught off the hop. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I suppose. Well, when you have someone asking you a question and you know that no matter what you say, they want you portrayed in the worst light, then you're kind of going to be apprehensive. About First it. of all, are you, you're allowed to have a job. You're allowed to run a business. You're allowed to have uh, business ventures. Of course. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. Do you have to declare all these businesses? If you open yeah. a coffee shop on Main Street, do you have to tell everyone that's my coffee shop? You submit an annual declaration, which I would have done, that uh, okay. communicates that. So you're, right. Not as if you're hiding anything. So this video goes viral. And are they trying to portray you that you're, you're opening a hostel and you're not telling anyone it's yours? 
Or uh, what, what do you think their angle is? So, like, the background is we're, we're, we've just set up a new backpacker kind of youth hostel in Ballina. What, what's it called? Heyday Hostel. Heyday um, Hostel. Yeah, so the idea is basically to make um, visiting this part of the world, North Mayo, uh, more accessible and uh, fun for people to come visit. Are there any hostels in the area? No. There, well, the, there's one in Eski and there is one in Westport. So they're the kind of so it's it's not competing with anything that's there. It's creating a new market of backpackers or people who are looking for budget accommodation. How many people does it sleep? Up to thirty eight people. Mm-hmm. Um, Has there ever been a hostel in Ballina? There was years and years and years ago, back when we had the FLA that we had, we hosted the All Ireland FLA in nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. I think it was open then around that time. Um, and I, I literally know nothing about it, only that I received yeah. this video on WhatsApp. What was the building before that? It was, it used to be called Peggy Farmers, then it was John O'Donnell's, it was, a, it was a grocery store, and there was two other units, all three of them vacant, and then there was two apartments up above. Okay. So I had the idea, and I approached a guy, Parik Jordan, who was originally from the town, his father was on the Mayo 1951 winning team, and and Park has basically made, made the, the project. When you reality. say you had an idea and you approached him, when was that? 2019 or 2020. 20 maybe 2020 I so think. you were yeah. just fresh into politics at the time uh, yeah yeah and I knew that it was the type of project that no one's going to do and because it doesn't really make much financial sense well I'm putting my business hat on here and I'm thinking you're turning a grocery store into accommodation for 38 people yeah. has to be costing huge money yeah and then you're charging probably what 30 40 quid a night yeah exactly yeah. for 38 people yeah we want to, to more pe- people to come to the area to visit to explore so it could be surfing in the winter it could be okay. um walking uh, stand up paddling whiskey tasting in the Connacht whiskey distillery checking out John Patrick Head why the the big storm online what's the scandal here uh, there isn't really one in my eyes but uh, i suppose it was perceived that somehow because there's refugees coming to, to Mayo and staying in hotels mm-hmm. that we're, we're accepting tourists obviously we're not having any contract with a government uh, yeah. or anything like that it's tried to be made out that uh, somehow the hostel will benefit by demand because the hotels are full with refugees yeah and, and the hotels to be fair in Ballina are not all full there are some hotels that have a certain element of refugees so let's, a- let's ask a couple of questions then did you ever hide the fact you were involved in it no have you any say on refugees coming into hotels in Ballina no <laughs> Like, are you going to financially benefit from it? If you do, so what? You're allowed to. Of course, yeah. Having a successful town that was that is, you know, strong tourist in industry, it requires lots of different accommodation types. So it requires everything from camping sites, glamping sites, places for mobile homes, places for you know uh, hostels, obviously B and Bs, and then even five star accommodation. So different tiers of accommodation are required to make a successful tourist area. You know. Okay. So that's the this try and plug that gap basically. And you had this vision back in 2019. Yeah, well, I've had it for years. Because backpacking in my twenties, and then I kind of yeah. It, it you went of, off backpacking. And you said this is what Balana needs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And that was long before the war. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. B&B Homes make your dream home a reality. We do it all from start to finish. Your one-stop shop to becoming a homeowner. Log on to brbhomes.ie. So there's a video then doing the rounds on WhatsApp and it's going uh, it's online and it's on social media and it's on uh, YouTube and the heading is more migrants for Mayo and councillors conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. What's the conflict of interest? There isn't a conflict of interest, All right. but it's trying to conflate 
the fact that by being involved in a hostel, which I won't be owner of, that somehow having other people staying in a hotel is increasing demand for hotel or bed nights and that somehow then we'll benefit as a hostel is what they're trying to basically make. I had the idea, but uh, I didn't, didn't have, have the finance. finance. Exactly. Right. So it's... Uh, so you had the idea and somebody else made it happen. Yeah, exactly. And But I was I was owner at the... I have been owner uh, at the start, but that was just getting it off the ground. So it's... Um, so effectively, like anyone that knows business, you're the owner until you have to put the money in. Yeah. And then the more money somebody else has to put in, the less of an owner you become. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it'll, it's, it could be a project that you become nothing got to do with it yeah, at all. This is just a complexity right. of... Uh, and I didn't really want to get into the details of it, but, and, I, and I appreciate you, you sharing them and being honest. But what I wanted to get into the details of, this huge viral video that you, it's kind of over nothing really. Yeah. And how dangerous your job is and how yeah. misconstrued it can be like so what kind of comments have you seen or what kind of oh it's like i don't even know if the, like anyone who's objective and watches a video even though i'm kind of caught on the hop it's just because i know that the people asking the questions want you to be portrayed in the worst light as possible so no matter what you say no matter what you say they will they will try and make some outrage out of it yeah but the, the comments are nasty online and it's just i suppose a reality of public life that you're going to get that but any, everything from lynch mobs should be returned and Lynch mobs should be returned. All that kind of stuff is, is said. But they don't know me or they don't know the context of it. They don't know... Bal- a lot of them are not even from Ireland and they're commenting on, on these things. But anyway, it's... So it's taken it's a little bit out of context. Conflated and... Uh, yeah. And has anyone on the ground here in Balna brought it up with you? Well, people would have seen the video, obviously, and they would just comment. Have they commented to, you, to your face? Yeah, yeah they were, they were, my friends would text me saying, are you taking refugees in the hostel I'm like no sure I told you it's a tourist uh, thing so people don't even people are thinking that uh, where it's going to be a, a place for refugees which is not um, oh I get it now right so I think there's misunderstanding there as well we've had bands staying there since I met opened. you there this morning before this podcast we went downtown for a coffee and we met three fellas coming out of it yeah. now I, we didn't go into it we walked I, to be, I just want for full disclosure <laughs> here I haven't been in it I know nothing about it but we met three fellas on the street that were leaving, living their best life. Yeah. Oh, they were delighted. They'd, the Connacht Flower was on last night, so they had a great night out last night. Another lady uh, was staying, and she was playing in the Fla, and we have a band that are playing in Balna over the weekend that are staying as well. So that's great. And with a lovely Scottish couple on a tandem bike cycled through town on Friday. Now, the place was, we opened on Friday evening, and uh, the place was still like a building site up until about 5, 6 p.m. But they cycled by, and they says, have you, are you, when are you open? And we said, tonight. And then they said, uh, have you got uh, availability? We were like, yeah. So then anyway, they ended up staying. But it was lovely. They were cycling through town on a tandem bike and uh, stopped off. So nice. Was, uh, yeah. What's the plan for the future then? What's your next step? I don't know. Well, the next election is the local election. So I'll have a decision to make whether I continue in that or not. I genuinely don't. I don't know. There's, there's the national elections as well, which could be next year or the year after. Um, but I'd definitely like to support if there's younger people, people listening who genuinely want to get involved in politics. I'd like to help people get involved because the more young people that are involved or the more different new voices that we have whether it's young or old um, I think would be helpful because there's, there's, there's a lot that needs to change as we both know and have spoken about and Have you any ambition to be a minister or I'd love to be in positions of influence because I don't want to be I'm independent but I'm not independent that just complains about everything I'm trying to make change make things happen whether it's through business whether it like is in the, with the hostel or whether it's um publicly through community and volunteer work to try and improve 
society or improve our communities our towns and villages um so would i like to be a minister or yeah because you'd have an opportunity to make change yeah do you see yourself in politics for the rest of your life um maybe but like i, I was saying this earlier that like the idea of politics should be that you become obsolete at some stage because you have your view or your vision for community or town or the country and that when you achieve that then you can you know maybe hand it over to the next generation that are coming through that have new issues, new ideas. I don't know what the future will hold. But so um, do you mean like politicians should almost become mentors then? Yeah, exactly. And that would be of, helpful. Yeah, that would be helpful. Exactly. Yeah. I think that would be good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, who knows? Mark, thank you so much for your time and thanks for your honesty. Yeah. And I do appreciate it. It was a difficult conversation and I didn't intend it to go that way. Yeah. But I do appreciate you taking the time. I don't know why you do your job. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. For the hassle you get, I've seen the comments online. Mm-hmm. I saw people commenting. Actually, the comment that stood out for me was when Joe Biden was coming and one of the roads was closed and somebody commented saying, how are they going to get to their takeaway mm-hmm. on their Friday evening? They're not going to be able to get to their takeaway. Mm-hmm. And you replied. And I thought to myself, this lad is sitting here replying to somebody, giving out that they can't get to their takeaway on Friday evening because the president of the world <laughs> is coming to Balna. And I thought to myself, why does he do it? Why does he do it? Yeah. I thought you were on like 80 or 90 grand a year. And then I yeah. thought to myself, well, and I thought you had a secretary maybe replying yeah. to people. But no, no. I don't know why you do it, but uh, thanks for doing it because it's great to see somebody young and enthusiastic and you, you, you're somebody that seems to always stick to your guns mm-hmm. and you've great integrity and keep her lit. Thanks. Alan. And hopefully we can have a podcast in six months time or in 12 months time yeah. and have more positive things to talk about exactly. and, and, and see where we've come. And, and there's, there's positive things happening at the moment and there's great things coming, there's great possibility, mm. but it definitely needs change. Definitely needs. Have you got a slogan? <laughs> or a or a you know or, or a motto oh i don't know like my 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 motto in life is to help other uh, uh, the best way to succeed in life is to help others to succeed i love that yeah well like people empowerment people power i think um I don't, that's not really a slogan but uh, yeah em- empowering towns communities like i said we're one of the most educated countries in the world tell people trust people more trust communities let us make the decisions locally in towns and villages bring back town councils empower people to get involved and not try and centralise everything and keep things hush-hush, which mm. oftentimes happens, you know. Um, people power. <laughs> Brilliant. Mark Duffy, thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes, a brochure, or for more information. Let BRB Homes take the stress out of your build. Check out brbhomes.ie.